Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 3rd, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we go in-depth with Winthrop University political science professor Scott Huffman, and we look at more findings from his first Winthrop poll in more than two years. We have details on early voting and new poll numbers from the campaign trail. In business, we have new unemployment data and details about those record-high gas prices. We're sorry. And in medical, we have a monkeypox update. Additionally, we want to hear your stories. That's why we have a voice mailbox. High technology here, folks. A voice mailbox set up at 803-563-7169. What you do is you call, you leave your name, you say where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. It's June. It's June. Guess what's coming up? Flag Day is coming up. All right? got to start talking about Flag Day because it's right around the corner. Let us know how you celebrate that festive holiday in old glory at 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. There are 214 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 28 are in intensive care, and 8 are on ventilators. Hospitalizations and ICU admissions are slightly lower week over week. And currently, 54.9% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. in-person voting is underway in South Carolina. Yes! And you know what? So far, nearly 13,000 voters have already cast ballots at early voting locations in their counties, according to the State Election Commission. That's 13,000 in just two days. Look at that excitement, folks. For primary, also 6,163 voters have cast mail-in absentee ballots. Now, again, this is different. We changed the laws this year. You need to stipulate a specific excuse to obtain a mail-in ballot versus going in person and voting early. This is the first election, like I said, these changes have taken effect after unanimous bicameral support for the election reform and early voting bill that passed this session and was signed into law by the governor. You can find great details, all your resources about voting at scvotes.org, what you need to bring to the polls, what's on your ballot, what your ballot looks like, and if you haven't registered... Well, it's too late for the June 14th primaries, but you can register on scvotes.org. Now, a note on the Republican ballot, there are three advisory questions. These are just non-binding questions that they ask, typically like a poll in a way. And the three questions are asking whether voters should register by party, whether school board candidates should be partisan, and there's a question about tort reform. Yeah, tort reform. You can check your sample ballot, like I said, at scvotes.org and you will be prompted to pick which primary you want to be voting in. Now, in our last podcast, we briefly talked about the new Winthrop poll, but we really didn't get to drill down into all of it because Gibbs Knotts was telling us more about that first congressional district debate. That is why I invited the poll's director, Winthrop University political science professor Scott Huffman, to join me on This Week in South Carolina. We talked about the findings, specifically reaction to the 2020 election, racial divides, and his thoughts on the heated congressional primaries. And just so you guys know, this is a longer cut. We have more time to get into the details. Take a listen to Scott explain some of the top line figures. 
you know, and I, I feel like we've, you know, done the state a disservice, but with COVID, we just really weren't able to get the polls out because we have to have live callers in order to call cell phones. If you if you don't have live callers, you can't call cell phones. And the other thing is most polls you see are going to be registered voters or likely voters. And so we tend to be the only ones who do actually all citizens in South Carolina, whether they're registered or not. Um, that said, you know, most of the, the headlines that jump out at you are politically related. I think the story of, of this poll is polarization. Um, you know, we know that America is becoming more and more polarized, and I don't think anybody is surprised. We asked some questions where you could, you know, uh, rate on a scale whether you liked or disliked or loved or hated uh, different groups. And of course, Republicans hate Democrats, Democrats hate Republicans. But we also ask things about, uh, you know, how do you feel about people who fly the Confederate flag? How do you feel about Black Lives Matter? Now, whenever we had racial issues like that, I absolutely expected there to be a some polarization between blacks and whites. And of course, there was. But here is what was surprising. There was even more polarization between the parties, Democrats and Republicans, on issues related to race. Let me say that again. Um, there was more polarization on racial issues between the parties than there was polarization on racial issues between the races. And that really speaks to the fact that South Carolina is in line with the rest of the country when it comes to increasing political polarization. Mm -hmm. It's got another big number that a big uh, takeaway I, I saw from this was about the election itself. And you were talking about fairness, uh, you know, finding out who thought the 2020 election was fair. I asked Gibbs Knotts about this the other day, too. Why did you use that term fair instead of maybe stolen or some of these other things like rigged? Is, uh, do you just want to really try and get as much of a baseline as possible? Well, I wanted I wanted to to create an, an, a concept in the, the the listener's mind, right? So we said fair and accurate. So that meant, you know, what I'm trying to create in the the listener's mind is the idea that, you know, there were no shenanigans and the proper result came from it. So I asked them if they thought the the race was fair and accurate. And perhaps to no one's surprise, although I think to our dismay, there was, again, political polarization between Democrats and Republicans. 85% of Democrats said, yeah, it was fair and accurate, whereas only 18% of Republicans. Now, you know, we know there was not widespread fraud in the presidential election of 2020. So it sort of raises the question, is this something like a badge of identity for a lot of these Republicans so that, you know, they they say we're part of the club that, you know, hates these results? Or do they actually think the results were inaccurate and fraudulent? And of course, we didn't probe deeper on that. Uh, that might be something for a future poll. But definitely there was a huge divide between the parties of whether they thought the last presidential election was fair and accurate. Scott, you see it's, it's more of like a political badge at this point, but what do you think about the long-term ramifications of you know, this, this drumbeat that continues about how an election was, was stolen or not fair or accurate when, yes, there's always been those kind of accusations, but this is very widespread. It's reached very high points in our American uh, life and public institutions as well. What does that signal to you going forward? That's actually it, it, that's the the great concern I think for a lot of political scientists because it erodes the the legitimacy of the system when you have people saying um, the fix is in that there are people some uh, cabal of folks 
who are doing secret things to try and undermine a democracy. Well, what you end up doing is undermining the democracy in order to stop this fantasy that somebody else is doing the same thing. So what we see are people who, you know, wrongfully believe that the election was fraudulent running for positions like secretary of state or, you know, the the head of the state election commissions in various states. That is the groups that are in charge of the legitimacy of elections. There are folks running for those that don't believe the last election and all the, the honest poll workers did their job in the last election. And to the degree that you erode the perception of legitimacy in elections, then you are eroding the perception of democratic legitimacy in our country. Mm-hmm. And then just, I mean, it's a race to the bottom. Like we always, I feel like, keep talking about every time I have you on the show, and that's worrisome because what's true and what's not true. And when you start thinking that these things aren't true, you don't listen to people that are in power or people that are experts on the matter, but you listen to what's on social media and it's a meme or it's just something that's passed around. Uh, is there any way to break that cycle? How do you, I mean, how do you see breaking that cycle, maybe even talking to students about these issues? Well, we know that fact-checking can only go so far. Uh, when it comes to some things, fact-checking actually can cause a rebound effect and uh, have people believe the incorrect thing even stronger. Okay. What I think what we're going to have to do is uh, to erode the polarization is actually to contact, be in contact with each other. Uh, right now, if you're a Democrat, most of your friends are probably Democrats. If you're a Republican, most uh, or, or all of your friends are Republicans. So each is inside of an echo chamber. And to the degree that you have an in-group and an out-group, whereas you don't interact with anyone from the out-group, then you're always going to be suspicious. And, you know, there was a, a V.O. Key, the, the grandfather of Southern politics, talked about this, that the only way to erode mistrust between races was to have individual relationships between blacks and whites, and then that would grow into societal trust. Well, we have gone in the exact opposite direction politically, and, you know, reversing that trend may be our only way out at this point. Mm. And you're kind of bringing up the next topic I want to talk about, which is race and, and cancel culture, which is something that you polled on in your poll. Uh, you know, we, we talk about race still being very divisive in this state, and we talk about having these uncomfortable conversations to to kind of bridge these gaps, to understand each other better. But now it seems like we're in this point now where people don't want to have a conversation at all for, feel, for fear of being canceled. You know, I try to interview some people on the street every now and then to get their perceptions on things, and folks just are, don't want to talk that much because they're scared of, you know, getting their voice out there and saying the wrong thing and being canceled. What did your poll find, and what, what do you take away from that? Yeah, we, we asked if people had sort of held their tongue, uh, whether or not there was, you know, time, any time within the last year where they were uh, afraid of expressing their opinion for fear of getting backlash. And what we found was uh, it was evenly split among Republicans. And now uh, it was m- fewer Democrats, but the, the Republicans are afraid that they're going to get canceled. Um, so this is out there. And whether or not it's, uh, you know, they legitimately have encountered someone who has given them backlash on their views or it's just the, you know, the news that they listen to, the cable news that they listen to, telling them if you express your opinion, you'll be threatened. At some point that becomes moot. And the simple fact is 
more and more people are beginning to be afraid to express their opinions. And it is Republicans in South Carolina who are saying, if I express my opinion, I'm afraid someone's going to come after me, uh, you know, verbally attack me. Mm. And sometimes it's rooted in not having correct facts and then double downing on those incorrect facts and then people trying to tell you they're wrong and then it spirals from there in many cases too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it, it all relates to trust. Whether or not you uh, trust your, you know, the, the people who might hear you to, even if they disagree, do so respectfully or not. And again, that all goes back to the erosion of societal norms that we're seeing. And I'll have Scott Huffman and Gibbs Knotts, who's the Dean of the School of Humanities and Social Sciences at the College of Charleston, in studio, live on primary night, June 14th, which is, guess what, it, June 14th is Flag Day. <laughs> at 8 p.m., ETV. We're going to be breaking down the results and talking with our reporters in the field. Yes, ETV stations, 8 p.m., June 14th. Now, speaking of primaries and polls, I have two more polls for you that I want to share because people are always wondering about the 1st and 7th Congressional District Republican primaries. The Trafalgar Group surveyed roughly 560 likely Republican primary voters from May 26th through May 29th. And in the 1st Congressional District, Nancy Mace leads Katie Arrington 46 to 41, with 13% still undecided and a 4% margin of error. Over in the 7th Congressional District, race results are more spread out. That's because there are a few more people running that race, and a runoff is widely expected. In the 7th, State Representative Russell Fry leads five-term incumbent Tom Rice 42 to 25 with Barbara Arthur and Ken Richardson both getting 10% each, followed by Garrett Barden at 3%. More people have their mind made up in that race, with 7% saying they are undecided. There is also a 4% margin of error. And yes, there will be a Democratic gubernatorial debate after a lot of back and forth, miscommunication, and even more that I'm not going to share with you. That's right, SCETV, in partnership with The Post and Courier, has invited all five Democratic candidates to debate June 10th at 5 p.m. Coincidentally, that's when early voting ends. Now, the hour-long debate will be moderated by yours truly and feature panelists, Felicia Eady from South Carolina Public Radio and Nick Reynolds from The Post and Courier. It will air statewide on ETV channels and our social media platforms, again, June 10th at 5 p.m. The Democrats will also have a weekend of festivities, including their convention in Columbia on Saturday. Welcome to the business section. And to start off, we got an oil update. That's right, gas prices, honking horn sounds here. And you know what? Maybe some good news. More oil will be hitting the market soon, thanks to an agreement Thursday between the 13-member Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and its 10 non-OPEC producers, led by Russia. That's a group known as OPEC+. Plus and it will raise output by some 648,000 barrels a day in July and in August. Doesn't really help us right now. Now that increases OPEC Plus's production by about 50% more than previously planned. This according to the Wall Street Journal. However, analysts say that most of OPEC's members are already pumping at full capacity, with only the Saudis being able to pump more. This comes as global oil demand is pushing oil to around $118 a barrel on Friday. But OPEC isn't worried that its announcement will cool the market. Now, we were seeing some declining prices in the state, very, very minute, 
declines there that you know weren't that big, but penny here, penny there. But on Friday, well, on Friday we reached a new record for the price of a gallon of unleaded gas in the state, up to four dollars and thirty-six cents a gallon. That's according to AAA, which also notes that according to the Energy Information Administration, total domestic gasoline stocks decreased by 700,000 barrels to 219 million barrels last week. Meanwhile, gasoline demand has grown from 8.8 million barrels per day to 8.98 million barrels per day as drivers fueled up for the Memorial Day weekend travel. See, this is your fault. (laughs) This is my fault. I was driving too. These supply and demand dynamics have contributed to rising pump prices. Coupled with volatile crude oil prices, pump prices will likely remain elevated as long as demand grows and supply remains tight. We've got some other growing numbers for you. That's right, the Census Bureau released its city and town population totals for 2020 through 2021. And the top 10 municipalities in the state, and we're talking about municipalities, not metro statistical areas, in the state are Charleston, Columbia, North Charleston, Mount Pleasant, Rock Hill, Greenville, Somerville, Goose Creek, Sumter, and at number 10, Florence. The fastest growing municipalities are Bluffton, Greer, Fort Mill, North Charleston, and Mount Pleasant. But of course, there have been declines as well, with Sumter, Orangeburg, Gaffney, Spartanburg, and Marion rounding out the top five of the biggest declines in the state. The South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforces Director Dan Elsey said in a statement, quote, while the ranking of the largest municipalities in South Carolina remains unchanged, there are interesting changes occurring in both our biggest cities and smallest towns. 26 of our 46 counties saw population increases in 2021, yet most of our rural areas, particularly those in the southern and eastern parts of the state, saw gradual losses in their local populations, and many of the remaining residents consist of older adults who have retired out of the labor force, quote. Previously, the Census Bureau reported that the state had recorded a total population on July 1st, 2021 of 5,190,705 residents, which is a 1.4% increase from the 2020 census. So it's getting crowded, it's starting to get crowded here. And on the way out, nationwide unemployment remains at 3.6% for May, according to the Department of Labor. Payrolls rose by 390,000 last month, with big gains in leisure and hospitality, in professional and business services, and in transportation and warehousing. Employment and retail trade declined. And now... Monkeypox. That's right. The Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security's monkeypox update as of June 1st found that there are 617 confirmed cases in 26 countries. The UK has more than 200 cases and Spain and Portugal have about 130 cases each. There are only 23 confirmed cases in the United States. Now, the World Health Organization said this week that the world has a, quote, window of opportunity, quote, to bring the growing monkeypox outbreak under control and that the organization does not currently expect a pandemic-level event to occur, assessing the overall public health risk at the global level as moderate. The atypical nature of the outbreaks happening concurrently in widely disparate geographic regions with no known links to endemic countries in West and Central Africa suggests that undetected transmission may have been occurring for some time, 
with some recent gatherings and events possibly amplifying transmission. Many, but not all, the cases have been diagnosed among men who have sex with men and possibly spread more widely during large parties or events, according to an update from the World Health Organization Regional Office for Europe. Monkeypox virus can be passed from person to person by close contact with skin lesions, body fluids, respiratory droplets, and contaminated items like bedding. Typically, symptoms begin with fever, fatigue, headache, weakness, and progress to a rash, including lesions. Notably, many of these cases in the current outbreak have had atypical symptoms, with mild to no initial symptoms and lesions primarily in the genital region, raising concerns that the cases could be linked through sexual networks in addition to social networks, and that cases may be going undiagnosed if clinicians are unfamiliar with these new clinical presentations. Now, two vaccines are available through the strategic national stockpile. One vaccine, Genios, is being used among certain healthcare workers treating patients in the current outbreak. Now, again, there have not been any confirmed cases of monkeypox in South Carolina, but there have been several in the Southeast. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. How you're handling things, what you're up to, what you're planning on doing for Flag Day. It's right around the corner. How are you going to celebrate? Let us know. 803-563-7169. Name, where you're calling from, and a message for us. We love hearing from you guys. Give us some wild topics to talk about. AT is still in Charleston. It's a mm, very difficult yes. time for all of us. So please <laughs> give us something to distract us with. Uh, very great, very great prompts, Gavin. Very great prompts. Seriously. Welcome from Charleston, A.T. Shire. Oh, here I am. Yes, thank you so much. And Gavin, go ahead. I'm I'm so go ahead, Gavin. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. I'm so disappointed that I forgot to say may the whatever be with you. I know we never. So <laughs> we were good. I missed the last we my good. last chance. But uh, anyway, Gavin, we do have a call. We do have a call from oh. a good friend, Roman. So he's calling back twice pretty quickly. So, I mean, okay. <laughs> how did we get so lucky? Also, uh, <laughs> I I'll, I'll hit this afterwards, but uh, let's roll it, okay? You ready? Yeah, let's hit it. Howdy, partners. This is Green Strand Man, a.k.a. Teacher Roman, calling you from Sugar Land, Texas. Uh, before I forget, A.T., uh, I would love it if you guys use some of the, your favorite uh, clips from Spoleto is a, a bump or two during Spoleto season so that listeners of the pod could hear a totally different type of music um, that you have a, a huge part in uh, making sound beautiful and broadcasting. Um, I wanted to share uh, two things. One, uh, I teach at a Hispanic charter school in Southeast Houston where we do active lockdown drills uh, regularly. Um, thankfully, so far, nobody with an actual gun. But recently, I've been designated as a, I don't know how you put this, like extra security. So like during passing periods, I guard a exterior door and check for uh, doors that uh, that uh, should be locked. Um, during free periods, I'm checking to, like the doors are locked when they should be on the outside. Um, so that's, you know, just another one of the duties that teachers are picking up these days, uh, especially out here in uh, Texas, where we have a a very good record of um, allowing uh, children to buy machine guns in go uh, places and make bad decisions. Um, also wanted to share that what I'm doing about this is contacting every single one of my representatives and telling them they have an assignment, that they either put their name on legislation that makes this happen less, like a restriction or 
I don't care what, just something, or I never vote for them again. Um, and then finally, um, you know, maybe just Andy Dufresne method that you just keep writing. We got to keep writing to him. I guess that's the only thing we can do. Vote and, and write, yeah? Otherwise, uh, <clears throat> you know, the 20% of people that do vote are going to be the ones that make all these crazy people in charge to keep making things crazier. Speaking of crazy, um, I'd like to tell you that uh, the first pistol I ever purchased was from a Georgetown sheriff's deputy in a parking lot of a gas station for cash. And that was an entirely legal transaction. The man didn't even need to see my driver's license. This is a law enforcement person selling his personal sidearm, not his work one, obviously. But it was a Glock 40 that he, I found him through a classified ad. No background check, nothing. And you can do that for pretty much anything in a lot of states, especially in the South. I'd say that we need to get everybody to be able to vote by smartphones so that we can get more people voting, so we can get some sensible people in leadership. As always, thank you so much for the public service you provide. Be well. Howdy, partner. Howdy. Partner. As they say down, down in Texas, partner. Good to hear from you, partner. Uh, Roman, always great to hear from you, partner. We love that. Uh, a lot of great a lot of great information there with that message. A lot of people I think that resonates with uh, your stories, a lot of different stories. Interesting to hear how you come across getting a gun. You know, that's there's so many different ways. <laughs> there's so many different ways to get a gun in this country. And uh, that was one one example that anyone can do it and just do what you want with it, apparently. So interesting. I'm all on board, though, with this Spoleto music, bumper music. I know that's probably just another thing for <laughs> AT to deal with that he probably doesn't really want to. It'd be kind of, it would be, it'd be so whimsical if we had to sell that classical music. <laughs> I think what I think what we need is we need classical music bumpers mm-hmm. and Bradley can sit in and just read your script for you. Okay, so this is this is this is how you're gonna do it, huh? This is how you're gonna yeah, take my is, podcast is how, away from me. This is how I dump you. This is my podcast, Gavin, okay? <laughs> no, because they um, would definitely love Bradley's reading better than mine. <laughs> oh yeah, Gavin, he would put us both out of a job, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. No, don't. No, we're not. We're not doing any of that. Maybe the bumpers. Maybe no. I don't want any classical music. On maybe this the bumpers. Podcast. Maybe next episode. Maybe next episode. Yeah, whenever I could, you have time, I could finagle some music. Um, because we got to we got to see each other over the Memorial Day weekend. It was wonderful. We got to go golfing yes. with your wife, and we had a, another a partner with a partner with us. Uh, a new partner, transplant. Yeah, we got randomly paired. He came right from Boston. He was super excited to be coming down to South Carolina. I mean, these people. You heard my census numbers a minute ago. I mean, they are coming every day. We're growing. Yeah. I, I recently I recently just saw a map that showed the 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 grow, the expansion or contraction of any areas in the United States and the New York New Jersey metro area was the biggest loss and the biggest gains were either South Florida or uh like Charleston area mm, so wow. a lot of them moving down here yeah. right? and it's you're seeing it's, it. it and he, <laughs> it was funny though cuz he was talking to you Gavin and he said Man, it's hot. And yeah. you're like, oh no, it's uh oh, baby. this is nice. <laughs> yeah, we had a breeze. We were at the we were at the Charleston Muni and we had a breeze. It was like uh in the afternoon, later afternoon, and got some good clouds. It was nice. I mean, it was ideal it for was a gorgeous. day. We're like, oh baby, how about you come golf with us when it's like beating down on you? There are no clouds, there's no breeze, you're just doing it to do it. Oh yeah, so nice. That's when it's hot, brother. 
It was gorgeous. It so was, yeah. it, you're when when it's really hot though, you're out there for the love of the game because ball oh, is, it's the is love of like the ball equals life. And we're gonna you know have what a golf. Mean? We're just gonna golf it out right now because I haven't I haven't done it in like eighteen some months. That was the first time I went out there. Yeah. My dad was supposed to go. My father, the owner of this podcast, my father was supposed to come with us, but he had a an elbow issue from golfing the previous day, mm-hmm. and so we got picked up with this guy Jake, who was really nice, great guy from Boston. He was a nice. Guy. He filled. He fit in. You Lefty. know the, the ideal person to be jumping in with a random group you know what i mean like he he was cool he was yeah. a good golfer very normal he wasn't a rules stickler you know yeah, what i mean which is good yeah and so uh, especially for me because i didn't have like any any good drives like i said <laughs> first time in 18 months i was terrified of just hitting a car which i got very close to that park car. I've never seen you so scared of hitting cars. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I don't want to cause an accident that I might be liable for someone's death. <laughs> you're an agent of chaos out there normally. Yeah. So it's just like, get out there, smash some windshields, rip some bombs. <laughs> yeah. I was striping it. I was doing great. And then, anyway, yeah. the highlight of my day that day, and I can tell, Gavin, I've spoken to hit you about this before, is that uh, then afterwards we went and we had dinner at your parents' house. Yes. And I got to eat vegetables. You were so excited about time. the vegetables. Oh, oh my God. Well, you were there the night um, before for dinner, too. We had the, it was a Shire party. Yeah, baby. and I know, but it all wasn't the, the same the amount of it. Yeah. Two, two, two home cooked meals in a row was huge, but vegetables because my diet for Spoleto is uh, I mainline sandwiches. It's just mm. straight up sandwiches. Yeah, but that should you know? be an ideal and, world, but it, it gets to a point, I'm guessing, that. Exactly. Like everyone thinks sandwiches all the time must be great, must be fun, oh, like really yes. good sandwiches. But after a while, you just want a not sandwich, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to get to that point. I've, I've come to a realization and it's pretty hard line. Okay. So I am having sandwiches all the time. And I do think, um, I think you'll probably agree with me on this. And I may have spoken about this here before, but I'm not sure. But I think that there is no instance when a sweet pickle is better than a dill pickle. No, I haven't found one. There is no reason. No. I think that sweet pickles are abominations in the eyes of, of God, you know? Bread and butter, uh, persona non grata on this podcast. Yeah, we, I, 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 I can't find anyone. So if anyone out there is listening and you're just an absolute bread and butter head, you got to call Ooh. in and, and, and defend, defend, defend your yourself, pickle. Defend your people. Yeah, Mike, because I, I... Yeah, we should eradicate <laughs> they that. They just... They're not good. They're they're and who dills is, are just who better. is buying these pickles? Please <laughs> yes. identify yourself. Who who is the lobbyist for big bread and butter pickle, oh, big for, sweet for pickle? Big because oh, you Mount <laughs> Olive baby. Oh god, they're <laughs> oh, they're lobbying effort on so Casters. Huge. No, yeah, but I also I want to circle back to golf really quick because the one time when I almost had that parked car, you will remember that people are driving by and not one but two people see me teeing off and just. Blur the horn at me. <laughs> it would have it didn't make a difference because I was gonna hit it badly anyway. <laughs> on that on this one hole, it was against the, it was so on the good. highway or the road or whatever, and yeah. two cars went by, and as Gavin was hitting, they just laid on their horns and were intentionally messing him up. And I was like, I don't know yeah. if this is a cat call or what, like who well, knows? Yeah, but I, uh, I followed up on that. I'm like, was anyone good looking? <laughs> and you're like, oh no, there's <laughs> people just staring like Oh, that's the the beauty of the Muni, folks, all you Charleston drivers. They probably recognized me. They, they probably recognized me, right? That's, that's what, what I said. said at first. I was like, oh, they had Gavin, they're just fans. They're just fans. <laughs> I'm just trying to golf. 
Roman, thank you for calling. Yes, I hope other people you. call in. Oh. I, I also want to say I forgot to mention Roman. You got to be. He's got to be working on a counter because he goes to two fifty nine point nine 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 nine. He feels that, that all knows the way what up. he's doing, and I'm very impressed. Anyway, bye from me, Gavin. Yeah, I, you go ahead. You take it out. I, I have to do a, a quick shout out to Joan Furlong who sent us a direct message on Twitter with a picture from. Italy. She's Ooh. in Italy. Hello, Joan in Italy. And it was a street scene. It's a wonderful picture of these two mm-hmm. older Europeans wearing, you know, beachy type cover ups and on their feet, AT, mm-hmm. lavender and dark blue Crocs. And she says, I'm Never pulling it up old. right now. Yes. Ciao. 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 Oh. Ciao, Jen. Joan, my, my, my. <laughs> Look at this. These are, I mean, it, the the, the crack lifestyle chic. is an international it is chic, it's a, baby. <laughs> it is an international uh, storm sweeping the world. I mean, this is great. I, you know, it's bad when the when the euros are doing it, uh, but the lead says tray chic, and we support this <laughs> level of leisure and comfort, especially since it's not at an airport. Whatever you say, note. I say let your let your croc freak flag fly. Let's go. With Party certain time. Limita- with certain limitations. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have a good weekend, everybody. See y'all. Have a good weekend on LinkedIn, Roman. You can be like Roman and call us at 803-563-7169 and tell us what's on your mind. You can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on iTunes or be like Joan and send us a direct message on Twitter at S-C-L-E-D-E-P-O-D. That's on Twitter, folks. Follow us. Stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Every, yeah, every star's a state. I can say that. I'm going to say it. See if they censor me. I won't.